Support for the Fact Checker podcast is provided by New Pioneer Food Co-op. Celebrating 50 years as Eastern Iowa's source for locally and responsibly sourced groceries with stores in Iowa City, Coralville, and Cedar Rapids, and online through Co-op Cart at newpi.coop. everyone, and welcome to the Gazette's Fact Checker podcast. Um, I'm Michaela Ram. I'm the Gazette's healthcare reporter. I'm Elijah Dishas. I'm the Gazette's feature reporter. I'm Marissa Payne. I'm the Gazette's Cedar Rapids government reporter. And I'm Erin Jordan. I'm the Gazette's investigative reporter. Well, thanks for joining us today. Today, we will be taking a look at some claims made by Representative Sydney Axney. She and a number of lawmakers at the end of the year published some of their accomplishments for 2021, highlighting their legislative success and other successes kind of in the past year. And so she published an end of the year report on December 21st that we'll be taking a look at today. Aaron Jordan, thankfully, helped out this week while I had a short week, uh, stepping in with a couple claims. But before we really get into it, I will take the first two and Aaron will take the last two and we'll, we'll kind of go from there. So yeah, I guess to get started, one of the claims that she makes in this legislative report, she says 11 AXNI-backed bills were signed into law. So this is a little bit complicated, so we'll be spending some time on this because they included a list of 11 different bills that ultimately made it into law with Axne's fingerprints on it in some way. So of the 11 measures that were signed into law in 2021, Axne wrote two of them, including one called the Sergeant Ketchum Rural Veterans Mental Health Act, as well as a bill that renamed the post office in Clorinda after a woman who was known as the mother of 4-H. She was also listed as a co-sponsor on two other bills, Puppies Assisting Wounded Service Members for Veterans Therapy Act and the VOCA Fixed to Sustain Crime Victims Fund of 2021. All four of those were pretty easy to find and pretty easy to find Axne's name on it via the congressional website. This is kind of where things get a little bit hairy. So included on the list was the American Rescue Plan Act, which is the huge coronavirus relief bill that was passed earlier this year that, that you know, provided a lot of priorities and provided a lot of relief for Iowans in the pandemic in a lot of different ways. But Axne included this on our list. And her office, when we reached out for some sourcing, as we always do with the fact checker, her office pointed to a letter that she had penned in February 21 supporting this bill. So that was included on the list. A couple other legislation pieces of legislation that were included on the list were the Treatment in Place Act, and the Coronavirus Unemployment Benefits Tax Relief Act. So Axne wrote both of these pieces of legislation, but these ultimately didn't come into law on their own. Axne's office said the language included in these bills were ultimately included in the American Rescue Plan Act as amendments, as sort of additions to the bill. So taking a look at the, the language of the bill of the coronavirus relief package, it is true. Uh, Both of these provisions were really included in the American Rescue Act in some capacity. Now you can argue because it wasn't its own separate bill, maybe Axne didn't necessarily write this piece of legislation, but the language is the same. So her office argued that 
you know, it can be included in this count. So another piece of legislation that was listed in the claim was a bill to award the Congressional Gold Medal to the 13 servicemen that were killed in Afghanistan this August during the evacuation of refugees at the airport. So AXNI was one of more than 300 co-sponsors on this bill, pretty wide bipartisan support. So her office and the representative included this on her list as something that AXNI backed that ultimately passed in the law. We can kind of discuss the merits of, of that one as well. And moving on, another piece of legislation that was included on the list was the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, which was signed into law. But according to our office, she wasn't listed as a sponsor or co-sponsor or anything like that. But essentially, they argued that the bill reflects provisions advanced by AXNI and others with the House Rural Broadband Task Force, which AXNI is a member of. So some of those priorities that they were working on on that task force were reflected in this bill that ultimately did sign into law. Continuing to get a little bit hairy. So another bill that was listed was the Congressional Budget Justification Transparency Act of 2021. So AXNI was a co-sponsor of the House version, but it was ultimately the Senate version of this bill that passed into law. So ultimately, the same priorities, same language, but it wasn't the bill that AXNI had co-sponsored that pass in the law. So we can discuss that later. And so the last item on the list, it also included legislation that provided assistance for those affected by the 2020 derecho. When asked about what bill specifically, they pointed to a letter that AXNI had written with other lawmakers supporting the original legislation that she and others co-sponsored. But that piece of legislation ultimately did not pass in the law. However, Again, AXNI's office argued that provisions included in that bill, which included $10 billion in aid for damaged crops from the derecho, were included in the continuing resolution that did go into effect in September 2021. So again, not specifically the legislation she had written, but language and provisions that she had supported previously did go into effect. Michaela, tell us the grade you gave that one, and let's maybe discuss that one before we move on to the other ones. Yeah, I agree. I was just going to say this one was a little bit more heavy that maybe would spend some time on. So I landed on an A with this one. I think it's fair to say Axie may have fudged the details on some of these, but, you know, and it's unclear what role she may have played in actually getting some of these policies into effect. But the measure she did support ultimately did become law in some way. Um, but I'm curious what, what you guys think. I just have to say, first of all, I think some of these bill titles are not funny because they're about important subjects, but they're like so long. Puppies Assisting Wounded Service Members for Veterans Therapy Act. You know, it's a really, really long bill title. I mean, I know they <laughs> want to be descriptive and they want to get puppies in there, of course. But um, yeah, that's just noteworthy to me. I just wonder, I'm looking back at the original language of this claim, 11 AXNI-backed bills signed into law. I mean, if she had said like measures or something, but the exact bills in some of these cases, the bill that she backed, that exact bill wasn't passed. So I guess I just wonder if that warrants some sort of downgrade. Yeah, that's why I'd, I'd, um, I'm leaning towards supporting a B for that one. Because if you look at um, like the derecho related measure, you know, since it wasn't like the entire bill that was passed, but it was just a measure that was included in some other bill, you know, that in that instance, it's not considered, you know, directly a bill, an axne backed bill that was passed. But like Aaron said, it was, you know, a measure that was later included in something else. 
I would agree for the same reasons. I would say it, I would probably give it a B. Okay. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Cause that's sort of where I was falling. Um, you know, I kind of kept getting caught up on the, um, you know, the use of the backed, you know, does that mean, you know, just because she supports it, you know, she sort of gets the credit for the help with this or what does that necessarily entail? Like, especially with the American Rescue Plan Act. Um, I mean, that was a huge legislative undertaking. Obviously, there were a lot of fingerprints from a lot of different lawmakers on that. But um, how much credit does each lawmaker really kind of get for something like that? I don't know. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with a B. Um if that sounds good. You were going to say something, Aaron. I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to say on the back, I mean, for me, that one I can see, you know, because didn't she have some um, role in the broadband language or, you know, she had been part of that. To me, that gives a little more credence, you know, because broadband is a big part of, um, you know, that um, proposal. Broadband got a lot of funding during her time. Yeah, I mean, Absolutely. So Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, these two pieces of legislation that she did write that ultimately did become amendments or some, you know, a subsection of that bill. I think that, you know, I think that's definitely fair to include that then. Okay, great. Well, it sounds like we have a consensus of downgrading that a little bit to a B just because of the, um, you know, some of these, these things that we discussed. Okay. Okay, well, moving on, I will. I have the next claim here that was uh, made by Axne, uh, which was 319 grants for Iowa towns and entities. Um, this might be another interesting one that, that will be good for a discussion. Um, so according to uh, usaspending.gov, which is a database that tracks and compiles data on U.S. federal government spending, uh, there were 329 grants awarded from the federal government to various entities within Iowa's third congressional district between January 7 and December 2, 2021. Um, the database shows that these grants were awarded to cities and agencies and companies within the district. Um, some recipients were redacted from the database because it contained personal identifiable information. So that might have been a business, might have been um, an individual that could be identified, just not sure. Um, and, you know, these grants really ranged in amounts, too. Um, the highest that I could see just eyeballing it was um, an $8.8 million grant to a nonprofit community health center in Des Moines. Um, and the smallest I saw was about $900 to the city of Atlantic. Um, so it is true that there were these grants given to uh, Iowa towns and entities. Uh, but it's hard to tell what role Axne may have played in securing these grants or making uh, sure these entities did get these funds. Um, but I guess it is true that these grants were given within the congressional district. So I gave this an A, but curious if the team thinks that maybe there's a downgrade here. Maybe that grade is good. What are your thoughts? I think if you're going strictly by whether these grants actually happen, like, yeah, the grants happened. But the thing is, she's touting them as an accomplishment. Um, that's that's the headline of the page that she cites these 329 grants on. So I think we have to go, we have to hinge our decision on that word accomplishment. And we really need more information to decide whether these are accomplishments and what role she had. It sounds like she was pretty vague if any information was given at all on her role in these. I feel like because the actual claim, the wording doesn't talk about her role in it, how it just says 319 grants for Iowa towns and entities. I feel like the burden is a little bit less than it was with the previous claim. 
And the, this was kind of like an infographic where she isn't necessarily saying point blank, like I did this, except where she says ask me back, you know, like to me, that's pretty <laughs> explicit, but I don't know. I feel I'm okay with the A on this one just because it's not, she's not taking quite as much credit for it. Yeah, I agree with Erin's rationale on this one, just because she isn't making that direct correlation, like personally, like connected them with this grant opportunity. I mean, for all we know, maybe she did. You know, it's unclear whether like her staff worked with people on these grant applications or, you know, whether they just like funneled info, you know, to constituents in her district. You know, we're not sure what the relation is, but since she's not stating that it's like a Axne personally secured this grant funding for everyone versus just like a this happened in her district in this time period, I support an A. Yeah, I can understand the reasoning for that. I I just have an issue with it being bundled with other things that she's explicitly claiming credit for. It just seems a little bit misleading, but I could see your perspective on that. And I don't know if it helps your context too. Essentially, the graphic that these numbers were included in, I believe the title of it was just uh, Iowa's third congressional district by the numbers. So Axie's name wasn't really on it until you get to, you know, the Axie backed bills and things like that. And I think there was another claim that we we didn't get into that, um, you know, Aaron and I can talk about a little bit later. But so I don't know if that helps your contact, just sort of here's the past year in the congressional district by the numbers. Yeah, I, I do see that. I, my issues, it's bundled with a headline right above it that saying she's highlighting constituent service and accomplishments. Um, of the past year. If it, if it was just that graphic alone, it's just the optics of the entire package. Yeah, I definitely see that. And I think it'd be good. I can include that context in the write-up of this fact checker just to say, you know, this was bundled with other things that, you know, Axne is sort of touted as accomplishments. Um, but yeah, on its face, it sounds like, you know, with two votes that we're, we're going with a, an A, great, if that sounds good to everyone. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, I will hand this over to Aaron then, since you took the last two claims here. Yeah, so these last two claims are very similar to the claim we just talked about. There are these statements. The first one is greater than $5 billion to invest in Iowa's infrastructure, which I thought that that language itself is interesting to invest. I'm glad they included that because it's kind of implying that it's going to happen yet, that it hasn't like already happened. Um But a White House fact sheet on the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, which was enacted in November, says Iowa or estimates Iowa will receive just over $5 billion over five years from the bill. The largest share of $3.4 billion is for federal highway projects, but there's a lot of other projects that would get funding, including bridge replacement, broadband, public transportation, electric vehicles, and so on. Um, Axne was among 228 House members including 250 Democrats and 13 Republicans to vote for the bill. Um, Iowa's other representatives, Ashley Hinson, Mary Miller Meeks, and Randy Feenstra did not vote for the infrastructure package. So that money hasn't all been allocated yet. I mean, I'm not even sure how much has started to come out, uh, you know, to, to come out of that funding. But just as kind of confirmation or affirmation of those estimates from the White House, the U.S. Department of Transportation recently confirmed the $432 million for bridge replacement would be coming. And that report noted um, Iowa has 400 or I'm sorry, 4,571 bridges in poor condition. So, hey, we need some of that funding, it sounds like. I gave her an A on that. 
On the last claim, just because these are kind of similar, um, $114 million in federal grants for Iowa's third district. This information also comes from that usaspending.gov database that Michaela used for the second claim. Um, when you search for Iowa's third congressional district, which actually represents and filter out kind of subprime awards and money and grants that went to the state overall, it comes out to be 114 Point two million for January first through December twenty first, which is when Axne published this um, this announcement. So again, it's a, it's hard to tell exactly what her role was in securing these grants, but she's right about the overall amount, and she's not saying in the claim that she did it specifically. So I suggested we give her an A for that claim as well. Yeah, I would agree with that. Just kind of like we said on, um, you know, that previous claim that just looking at the phrasing of it specifically, um, you know, it is true that these these grants are coming to Iowa are being invested in Iowa's infrastructure. So, yeah, I think that's that's accurate in the way that you, um, you know, dug into that. So I'd support an A. Yeah, I do, too, since, you know, giving that one an A, just following our logic for the other ones, since they come from like the same source and they're kind of worded similarly. Yeah, I think the logic should mirror the, the last claim. Well, perfect. Well, then um, it sounds like overall we have uh, three A's and a B. Um, so my math tells me that that would come to an A overall. Um, I'm happy to kind of flesh out in the conclusion that, um, you know, what we discussed about, you know, it's unclear what role Axne may have played in these accomplishments and, um, you know, maybe kind of discussing a little bit more from that first claim. Um, but it sounds like A overall, would we support that? Yeah, I'm good with that. Great. Perfect. Okay. Hey, Kayla, should we touch on the claims that we didn't check? There were a couple in this in this little um, infographic. Yeah, that would be great. Um, well, I know you had the conversation with Axne's office about uh, this claim. Yeah. So at one point in the graphic, uh, the claim is made 750 constituent cases closed by Team Axne. Yeah, so the two that we didn't feel like we could check um, because they didn't meet our, our criteria of being independently verifiable were one that says, quote, 750 constituent cases closed by Team Axne. And um, another one that says 933,000 taxpayer dollars reclaimed for Iowans. So um, these these both kind of pertain to um, Axne's staff's work that they do with constituents, the communications they have with uh, members of the third district and maybe other Iowans. And, you know, they can't um, really share that data with us because the names of those people are protected. Um, and so we aren't able to independently verify that. Um, you know, I mean, I suppose there's no reason to believe that they would make up these numbers, but they're not independently verifiable. So we did not check those. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that's the check with this one. And we can take a look at checks that we were looking at for next week, if that sounds good, team. I know there were a few in the Slack channel that were throwing back and forth. You had the one about um, Grassley. Did you want to highlight that one? Yeah, I can highlight that one. So pulling back up. So Grassley tweeted, it looks like on January 14th, he tweeted about the number of police who were killed on the job in 2021. And he makes the claim that it was the highest since the 9-11 tax. Um, and then he goes on to talk about the tragic trend of police ambushes and murders 
in um, a judicial hearing this week, he was talking about it. Um, and then he also talks about how it's important to back the blue and fight violent crime, targeting communities and uh, support law enforcement, essentially. So I was taking a look at specifically the number of police killed on the job in 2021 being the highest since 9-11. Um, my understanding, just kind of a quick Google search shows um, there was a report that was published that Grassley seems to be referencing. Um, but what really elevated the numbers in 2021 was COVID. Um, COVID seemed to be uh, the greatest killer of law enforcement that year. Um, but it seems that Grassley is sort of emphasizing that police ambushes and murders may have had a bigger role in, in the, the number of fatalities. Um, so I thought that would be worth looking into and um, could be a dis good discussion on, on sort of what emphasis we give for um, that particular claim that he seems to be making. Yeah, that would also touch on an interesting conversation on whether COVID is widely being considered a line of duty death. Mm. I, I saw the death, uh, the news of a death of an officer, I think, is in Des Moines, maybe, or somewhere in central Iowa. But the police department said that it would be considered a line of duty death, even though he died of COVID. Mm. So, yeah, I really like that one. I think it's super interesting. There were a couple other ones I was just going to throw out there as well. These are ones that I spotted end of last week. Oftentimes during the legislative session, um, Iowa uh, lawmakers send out newsletters kind of on Friday. Um, I'm trying to find this one. Um, this one came out from um, Mike Klimesh. I hope I'm saying his last name right. Um, in Eastern Iowa, he was just kind of finishing up the week and he says, you know, kind of talking about the governor's plan to uh, have a proposed flat tax of 4%. He says, quote, data has long shown the states with low or no income tax grow more quickly than states with high punitive tax rates. You know, this of course would be a little tricky because I'm not sure exactly what would be considered high and low. It's a little bit subjective, but you can definitely know which ones are at the low end and which ones are at the high end. So that's one possibility. And also a candidate, we, you know, we don't check state lawmakers as often as we do our national um, office holders. And then another one came out from U.S. Senator Joni Ernst on January 14th. She says, um, but in a total political power grab, the Speaker of the House spent over $600,000 of taxpayer money in an attempt to unseat Congresswoman Miller Meeks, meaning Marionette Miller Meeks. So I thought that was also potentially interesting. But it's not like we have to do one of these and throw the other two out if we think there's viability for them. What do you guys think? Well, there was one more we were discussing, too. I don't know if, Elijah, you want to talk about the um, Ashley Hinson one. Yeah, so Representative Hinson tweeted yesterday, quote, we secured $829 million in federal funding to upgrade locks and dams along the upper Mississippi River. And that funding came from the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, which she actually voted against. So I thought that would be an interesting one, too. Totally. Well, we could do more than one in a week if Ooh. we feel motivated. Ambitious. <laughs> I think we'll if there's if they're quick ones. I mean, we did just check Ashley Hinson last week, so we want to mix it up. But you know, I don't know what you guys. I think it for me it comes down to either the one from Senator Grassley or 
Hinson's claim was made just yesterday, so it's a little bit more timely, but either one would work for me. Marissa, yeah, what's and- your stage advice? So I know, I mean, James Lynch did have his conversation with Ashley Hinson, or she had like her weekly press call, and I don't know what the angle of that coverage was going to be, you know, because I don't know, license there has been some coverage of the Hinson one. I don't know if we're covering that in like a news capacity at all. So we could check that out before we like, you know, decide to go forth with a fact check on that one. Or if we just want to steer clear of that one since we did fact check Hinson not too long ago. But it also like is a, I don't know, it's a newsworthy check too. If I had to pick one, I would pick the Grassley one just because I think it's got some interesting tentacles reaching into different subjects, as you mentioned, Elijah. Yeah, I think that's interesting too. And it hasn't really been highlighted by other outlets yet. And I would still have an interest in um, taking a look at the state lawmakers claim, you know, just because I know, you know, the the flat tax was something that we couldn't really check with the the Reynolds condition of the state check. So I wonder if that's a good way to to take a look at it. And one claim, I don't know if that would be you know, a little bit quicker to knock out or anything like that if we'd want to pair it two in a week? See, I feel like that claim would be a little harder. I think okay. that one, just because if there's like one data set that says this, okay, great, but it might not be. Sure. And it does have those kind of a little bit squishy words like highest and lowest. And I feel like that one is also kind of an evergreen this session because it's going to be a relevant issue for a while. So we could always tackle that one later. Yeah, that's a good point. I could start on it and then see. I mean, I know I have a few things in like the beginning of next week, so then maybe it'll be ready the following week. Or if I am able to, you know, knock it out quickly, then maybe we'll have two next week. But yeah, I can at least get that one started. Okay, that sounds good. Who Does someone want to do the Grassley one for next week? Yeah, I can do that one. Okay. First fact check. Well, no, you did the condition of the state, so not really your first. Well, I did a partial one, so it's my first full one. First solo. Yeah, this sounds great. great. I'm glad yeah. to have some several things in the hopper. Yeah, no, this is awesome. Well, perfect. Well, be sure to tune in next week as we take a look at that. And, you know, people, listeners in the community, our readers, if you see any fact checks out there that you think would be worth looking into and want us to take a look at, please reach out and let us know. Um, you can send us those to our email, which is factchecker at thegazette.com. Sounds like we'll be wrapping up here. Our fact checks are edited by Craig Jamolis. Our podcast is produced by Stephen Colbert. Our music is Lobby Time by Kevin McLeod. I'm Michaela Ram. I'm Elijah Dishas. I'm Marissa Payne. And I'm Erin Jordan. And we will fact check you later.
Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.